welcome back to Spellstorm Miniatures. Uh, this is episode 14, and I'm Jeremiah. I'm Dan. And this is Chad. And uh, we are excited to bring this episode uh, to you today. Uh, Spellstorm Miniatures is a show about tabletop board games. Our goal here is just to inspire you to, to play more. And, uh, and so we try to cover topics that are relative to, uh, to your experience as a miniature wargamer, and just gamers in general, I think. And, uh, and so today we're going to be talking about uh, storage wars. Yeah, we need some of that dun-dun-dun. The continuing struggle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this episode of Spellstorm Miniatures is brought to you by Hidden Forest Gaming. Hidden Forest Gaming provides game mats and terrain sets for all your gaming needs. And if you enter discount code SPELLSTORM10, you'll receive 10% off your next purchase. So why don't we kick things off by asking you guys, uh, have you played any games recently? Any uh, non-War Machine games? Yeah, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Uh, I have not played, but I did get to watch um, someone that uh, Nick knows came into Rainbow Board yesterday to give a demo of the Song of Ice and Fire mm -hmm. miniatures game yesterday, and I got to catch some of it um, while I was working and uh, it looks really, really cool. And the miniatures yeah. look really cool, and I was chatting with Greg for a little while about some of the different uh, factions, things that they're anticipating, some of the different models and things that they do, and and I think, unfortunately, that hook might be really, really deep because I, yeah. I love the universe. I've read the books and I've seen the show, and I think it's a fantastic fantasy universe. Yeah. And the miniatures game looks really interesting, and there's also the political aspect that's... There are non-combative characters that get to influence the battlefield um, throughout at different points of the game, and it's a really cool aspect, and, yeah. and it's really, really appealing. So I might, I might end up getting into that. I, I think you should. Um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about the Song of Ice and Fire, mm -hmm. and they were talking about it not as as a world to play in, which is one of the appeals for you. Mm -hmm. um, as someone who's never, you know, really read the books or watched the movies, that's not the appeal for me. Yeah. Um, but what they were talking about in the podcast was uh, was the rule set yeah. and how clean it is. And so there's two things about it that, that make it very interesting. Is one, it feels like it's a evolution of old Warhammer fantasy. And so, because you're playing on trays. Yeah. And um, with, with some modern gaming nuances um, but the but the podcast that I was listening to uh, was focused more on historical uh, wargaming yeah and they were talking about uh, using the song of ice and fire rule set to play in a different universe in, in a historical setting way and I thought that that was very clever and so that that captured my attention and the uh, the free folk starter was released last month and and that one has a lot of um, what could be perceived as generic fantasy models yeah. um, that could possibly be used in, in other ways. And so that was my appeal for, for picking that up. So um, I'm intrigued. Uh, I would be interested in um, if and when you ever get uh, the starter, uh, you and I sitting down and yeah. playing through those rule sets because I, I love playing games. And yeah. I'm on a mission. My personal mission is to play as many games as possible. <laughs> so that's, that's truth, right? <laughs> gotta have goals. Uh, gotta have goals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh, speaking of games, um, I was able to play um, uh, the Malifaux Third Edition is going to be released later this month, or I'm sorry, um, later this year. I think uh, first part of June, and all of the rules for M3E are available for downloads. And so I met up with uh, with Matt, and we played. Uh, M three E. I had to I had to proxy a couple models because I don't I don't have um, I didn't have them and uh, because the models that I have are kind of left over from first edition Malifaux and through the evolution of the game there's you know it, it plays a little bit differently based on the model type um, but anyway um, it's it was a lot of fun and it's a skirmish style game alternating activations. And they cleaned up the rule set, so there's only like 11 conditions now that are universal, and mm -hmm. and all of the flavor comes from the individual models themselves. And they even made the cards neater, like they're easier to look at and to read. It just it just makes more sense. 
And so I have a, a unique comparison to make, um, and, I'll, and I'll share that in just a second. Uh, but I also got um, a game in with a fan, uh, Frostgrave with Wes. And so um, I mentioned in a previous episode that I had picked up Mordheim, and, and Wes and I began a conversation about Frostgrave and how Frostgrave has that feel of Mordheim but has some modern gaming sensibilities that make it, make it kind of unique. And so, so we decided, hey, why don't, why don't we get together and just play a game of Frostgrave? And, and of course, Frostgrave was my first miniatures game. So it was like coming home. I was like, oh, this feels so natural and good. And, <laughs> and Wes has this gorgeous table. He, he made all of the terrain himself. And, um, and it just looked so good. It fits so well. And so, um, so, yeah, so we, had a, we had a great time. And um, sounds like we're going to play through a campaign together this summer. And, and oh, cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then, um, and then, of course, I have to mention the Pandemic Legacy real quick. Uh, uh, Laura and Jen and Joe and I, uh, we won our last game. And so I'm Yay. very, very proud of myself. So, <laughs> uh, of us. Really what it is, is we have, you know, we have the mandatory objective and we have like four or five optional objectives that depending on kind of how we want to play that, that game, that session. And so um, I drew the, uh, the character that allows me to build a supply center. And instead of needing five cards... Um, I only need four to build it. And so I was like, um, I was a boss just telling people to give me their cards. And by the end of my, by the end of my fourth turn, I think I had, I had built all three of them already. And so it was just like, I was, I was on a mission. And so, (laughs) but we, after having so many disappointing experiences, uh, because we haven't been winning season two, season two has been harder for us than season one. And so, and so we owned this one though. And I just, yeah. Yeah, I wish <laughs> I wish you guys could have been there. Right, I remember you talking about how you're having difficulty with that, and now you're saying because you led the team, you won. That's what no, I hear. No, no, yeah, don't no, hear that. Don't read of that. No, no. Here, I I got the, the role and uh, I played my role appropriately. Okay. Okay. Let's let's, right. let's just be clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, um, no. So anyway, so uh, so non War Machine games. Um, it kind of War Machine games that I got. I got. Um, I think I've played. Three or four uh, games of Company of Iron the last couple weeks as well. I was I wanted to really give it a shot because I I know that the new campaign it's coming out later this year. If you wanted to play through the campaign, what I had heard was that there will be scenarios dedicated for a full-on War Machine game, and then there will be scenarios that you'd have to use the Company of Iron rules to play for mm-hmm. in order to be able to tell the whole story. And I'm very interested in campaign play. And, and this is something that I really wanted to do. So I wanted to give Company of Iron a shot. And, and after three or four games, I realized that I don't have the rules down quite right because, because it's so close to War Machine. It's so subtly close, yeah. but it's not War Machine. There's still some things that are very different. And, and so like to keep the two rules separate in my head while looking at the same models that I would yeah. play is actually hard. Yeah. And, and so Scott and I, we played, um, and then Eli and I played, and Steve and I played, and, and my game with Steve was, um, you know, it was a lot of fun, um, because we had made progress on the rules, but then we realized, I realized that I didn't get all of them quite right, and so I had to go back to Steve and tell him that we didn't get all the rules quite right. Whoops. Um, but, but, you know, when you're talking about skirmish level games, and you're talking about alternating activations, and you're talking about... You know, just playing in scenario and things like this. Um, I, I really, really want to like Company of Iron, mm-hmm. and and I'm and I'm gonna try my hardest to like it. Um, but um, like Malifaux just better, you know. And and I haven't played Kill Team yet, but it's, you know everyone loves Kill Team, and so you know. Um, but you know, and I play Underworlds, and Underworlds is so slick, and, and I, I recognize it's different because it's a hex-based game yeah. versus a, you know a measurement game, and so maybe maybe Underworlds is going to be more of a comparison with uh, Riot Quest when it comes out later. But yeah, because that's also supposed to be a hex-based. Yeah, but I mean, I, like I said, I'm really trying to give Company of Iron uh, its its fair shake, and so I'm going to continue to play it um, so that I'm prepared when. When that campaign comes out later this year, but um, but after my last two games, I just really wanted to play regular War Machine. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of War Machine, 
Oh, Dan, you want to say something? Oh, I was going to say, I think you played some 40K you are mentioning too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ozzy and I, we pulled out. Uh, we were going to play a three-player three, three game last night with Michael, but uh, uh, he wasn't available, and so Ozzy and I just played two-player. And and uh, so I ran some Demons of Nurgle against um, his Tau and uh, proceeded to get shot off the table pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't finish the game because it was getting close to bedtime and Oz had to go to bed, but... But there was one turn where Oz had six marker lights on my unit of plague bearers that started out as a twenty-plus unit, yeah. and um, and with six marker lights, all of his abilities stack. So you get this benefit if you have one marker light, this benefit if you get two, and yeah. and, and just it's progressively stacked. You just and, had your number. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and it saved what saved my bacon is he didn't roll as many hits and wounds as he could have, and so. Um, but man, I was just getting shot off the board. It was, yeah. it was hard. And Overwatch is deadly. He rolled yeah. like, I can't tell you how many dice he rolled during, during Overwatch. I finally, like a remnant of my plague bearers got in on the charge and did nothing compared to what he did to me, uh, yeah. damage wise. But yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I, that I personally struggle with playing 40k is that in order to get into melee combat you have to charge yeah and coming from war machine that's not always what you have to do and playing against someone like tau um as a slow army as death card is it's so incredibly difficult to get into combat with them to tie yeah. them up to stop them from shooting yeah and then in order because of the way the rule set works in order for you to even try to get into melee they still get one last shot chance to shoot you and it just seems coming from War Machine. It just seems so wildly imbalanced. Yeah. But it's also kind of part of the way that the game is is balanced right. around. It's it's well, a much more shooting game. Well, and I guess for those that don't shoot, um, you see strength in numbers, and so yeah. if you have the larger my unit is, um, so for example, my plague bearers when they start out at twenty or more, then you know they get a benefit. Um, yeah. You know. Um, against shooting mm -hmm. and so it's easier for me to deliver them um i didn't have 40 plus or yeah. more I and mean, i didn't have multiple units of this i mean i don't i don't have a lot of uh, a lot of demons in Nurgle, but um and so like um uh so there's so you you know it's like can't you can shoot well but can you shoot all of these guys off the table yeah. is really the question you're asking yeah and that's and, that's the other thing is like yeah the, the last time i played against uh tyranids was like about a month ago um i had a 10-man unit and a 20-man unit of pox walkers that just were sitting in front of three seven-man squads of regular plague marines mm -hmm. to just take the brunt of the alpha yep. strike and i think that's kind of what you have to do and i'm not used to doing that with other for the other war machine factions right. that I play, is I'm not used to having just a very cheap screening unit that is literally there to take the brunt of all of the. Attacks. Wait, isn't that what Alexei and the Risen is for? I don't play them. Uh, uh, or <laughs> you know, if you play trolls, Fenblades. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fenblades. Yeah. Yeah, but I. I have Praetorian swordsmen. I've, I've always. Um, I've always ended up using uh, Blightlord Terminators as a flank option to just deep strike in and try and charge into a flank because they are pretty resilient. Yeah. Um, but I haven't played against Tau that much. Yeah. I think I only played against them one time in Kill Team. And mm. even on the Kill Team board, like where you've only got a couple of models and you're like, yeah. you're like oh, I'm going to charge you guys. So you're like, okay, these... Uh, these three Tau and these other three drones are all going to shoot you. And we've all got high-powered, like, plasma weapons. Oh, I guess your, your toughness yeah. five doesn't matter yeah. if I'm a strength seven weapon. So, bye. Yeah. It was very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Well, uh, Tau is the only army that Ozzy has. And so I'll have a lot of experience against Tau. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I just love playing games, and, yeah. and Ozzy's so much fun to play with, so he's my number one gaming partner. But, hey, back on War Machine, uh, Dan, you play any War Machine games? Well, yeah, I mean, surprising you asked, because uh, it was you and me who played. Um, hey -o. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the only game in between recording here. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, so ran, uh, I had Calandra and Power of Dunia, versus mm -hmm. uh, you had uh, Morgul 2 and... I think I was running Imperial Warhost. Imperial Warhost, I want yeah. to say. That sounds right. Um, so, yeah, that was 
Kind of a quick game, yet a long game. I don't know, it was, a, it was an interesting one. I thought it was a great yeah. game. Yeah. Um, so, it was my first game with Morgul 2. We were graduating from Zakar. And, woohoo! Yeah. Round of applause. Round of applause, right? <laughs> and, but I, I still have that problem of running my caster up too far. Well, and Don't spoil everything. And, well, you know. <laughs> and there was one turn where a certain role... Everything that I had, every dis, every decision I made that one turn, hinged on a certain getting a certain role, and I did, and I got it, I but I needed to get it twice. Uh, okay. And so, um, yeah. So, who went first in our game? Right. So you went, you won uh, the die roll, chose to go first. Chose to go first. Um, I kind of looked at the map. I may have chose the wrong side. I you know think kind of looking back at it because you had a desert hydra and yeah. titans and your pain givers and. I had a handful of beasts, a couple of Earthborns, um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, Dire Troll, Mauler, and, oh man, I had Mold, yeah. Um, or, yeah. Mold gives me nightmares. Right. Or, sorry, Rock. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, and, yeah, so you ended up going first and just kind of being able to move up, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know what you're... And I, and I ran faster than I think you expected. Yeah. I got to that middle line much quicker. That doesn't have as quick. Yeah, mm -hmm. with, with some rush and some repositioning from Moloch Karn's, um, you know, um, animus. So I, I was up there pretty quickly. Right. Luckily, you kind of, I think, misdeployed slightly with your um, Mark Kef. Is that the attachment guy? Yep, I misdeployed yeah. with him, as I am prone to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah, otherwise I just kind of ended up... Uh, my first turn just ended up moving a little cautiously, sticking out of a lot of the threat ranges, but trying to yeah. maybe threaten scenario. At least we were playing um, uh, the outface. Yeah, two circles and a square in the middle. Standoff? Yeah. No, yeah, that's I not standoff. Invasion? Chad? Yeah. I think it's invasion. Sounds invasion, right. okay. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my first turn was just more yeah. pre-measuring, sticking out of just yeah. totally get killed by Malakarn and... Yeah, after turn one, um, I had like way more board presence, yes, which yeah. probably was my problem. <laughs> right. Spread a little bit there, and then yeah. uh, of course, Calandra has Starcross, which I think is the crux of our. Yeah, so let's so let me explain my turn two. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll explain your turn two, and then we'll explain uh, the alternate endings that we did, which I thought was <laughs> it, it was brilliant. Actually, it was a fantastic learning game. So, um, so I was trying to get in position to, um, uh, to, uh, what did I want to do? Oh yeah. Uh, so I didn't know, I didn't know when to play Morgul 2's feet. And so on my turn two, if I would have feeded, um, I would have gotten everyone on your left side, my right side, which was the sparse side of his army. Yeah. It wasn't, um, all of the, all of his meat was on the other side of the building, which um, Molokarn wouldn't have been able to see. I'm sorry, uh, Morgul Two wouldn't have been yeah. able to see uh, for his uh, for his feet. And so, um, so I decided I'll just apparition over um, to and and instead of and instead of moving him to a much better position, I tried to make this triangle between him and the two Earthborns, and um, and so and I wanted to be. Uh, within 12 inches of them outside of 10 mm -hmm. and uh, both of them. So I was trying to find that perfect triangle spot. And then, um, and then I wanted my bronze back to be able to be in position to counter charge. And, um, and so he was there. And I mean, I, it, it, start, it was starting to work out where I thought it would make sense. But when I needed to cast and, and I gave, was it the shaman who gives him plus two on his range it, on spells? Yeah. yeah, the craft yeah. talisman. Yeah, craft talisman. Yeah. So, so then, so so then, Morgul two had plus two range on his um, blinding spell. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the hooks or whatever, flesh hooks. Flesh hooks, yeah. yeah. And so I, I wanted to hit both Earthborns. What I didn't account for, and this is like kind of what screwed me up a little bit, and it, and it screwed up our accounting because I got confused on on how how were we going to reasonably resolve it. Is the is a thing, and so, um, and so I rolled because um, because I was within the star crossed um, bubble, mm -hmm. and I didn't account for that, and so when I rolled, I only rolled two dice, mm -hmm. and so the and and then and then I missed, 
and so the, the crit miss. and so and so the question is how are we going to resolve this? Are we going to resolve this with me rolling just a third dice, or are we going to, or do I get to just pick up and re-roll three dice at a time? And and so that was kind of an accounting question, and then and then it became of. And then, it, and then it became a, well, if I knew that I was on Starcrossed, I would have spent a Fury to boost my attack. So then I'll be rolling four dice, and then I'll be dropping, you know, the highest. Yeah. At which case, you know, so like, so so there was a little bit of a issue for me understanding what Dan wanted me to do to make it resolve fairly. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the end result was one one flesh hook was successful and then the other was not that was basically yeah, we, we basically, basically rerouted and let you boost yeah we, we kept because it was a one one so we just kept those and then see i didn't want to keep boosted. that i wanted yeah. to re-roll all four <laughs> and so um and i would have been satisfied to not even boost and just re-roll three yeah. and i think that would have been a fair resolution too um since i didn't declare boost ahead of time right, right? i mean so um so but ultimately we kept the two which means i messed and so, so I got one off, and one and um, and one uh, did not go off. And so, and then I ran my feral geist over to challenge uh, to uh, to contest the circle zone on my right. Mm-hmm. And he had no magic weapons yeah, over there. Nothing. And so, um, and so that was my turn. And it was a sad panda turn. And so, and so Dan pulls out some other shenanigans. Um, it was it was fine. So Dan goes. Yeah, um, basically now, you know, Morgul's within, because one Earthborn you can't get, you know, or can't charge and stuff, right? But can run anyway if I wanted to. So we basically theorized that one could just run in front of the bronze back so it can't counter charge because I yep. just get in the way and ma- get in, in melee, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other one was uh, near rough terrain, so it had plus two speed. So it still had range to get in there. Yeah, because um, I was outside of his base. Charge yeah. range or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was able to get, you know, I could... So with that speed buff, I could also put the on... Axel comes over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I needed... Or... Oh, man. Should have you, did, you did move I the Axel over. Yeah, I had to do the Axel. That's right. Maybe I was still yeah. a little bit far. Yeah, so I still had to do the Axel as well with both of those in order to yeah. really get in on you. So that's why I couldn't do the Mauler boost. I think that's what right. it was. Um, that's right. And then... Pretty much just there again. I I put uh, puppet master on him from the Dunian knot, and then feet with Calandra. So reroll ones and twos, right? Mm-hmm. Charge in there, um, boost a hit, hit the first one, do a decent amount of damage, mm-hmm. um, especially with rerolling like a one or a two on there. Boost that up, and then so by or no, then he gets a second initial, and then I boost that um, attack as well, and then I boost the damage. And I end up leaving you on one box, but then you're kind enough to remember, remind me that, oh, you have your Puppet Master. I was like, oh, yeah, I got Puppet Master. And then just yeah. put it in the dirt. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so, so then so I was put in the dirt, to, uh, bottom of two, yeah. assassination. Mm-hmm. So then what we did was we went back and we replayed it. Okay, what would have happened if this happened instead? And we actually did three different scenarios. Right. And one of the scenarios even included me living and then my counterpunch. So then I had an assassination run against Calandra, which fell short because of, um, you're just camping too Starcraft, much. Starcraft, Starcraft, yeah. like camping three, just, yeah. yeah. So, um, so but what it, what it did for me, though, because that was my first time with Morgul 2 on the table, first time with the Shaman on the table, first time with the Desert Hydra on the table, mm-hmm. first time with Malakar on the table. And so, and so by, so by going, by resetting back to bottom of turn two, assuming I lived, then now I could play with the toys and I can actually kind of see, oh, okay, so I can actually do this with the Desert Hydra or, and then, oh, and this is why Molokarn is so amazing. And now I want Makeda, by the way, because I want Sidestep, which is what <laughs> Molokarn gets in the bond. And so I can see the Molokarn missile. I, it makes sense to me now, right? Yeah. And so, um... You know, so like I, I, so I mean, I lost, and that's fine. 
I thought it was a great game because of all of the conversation we did afterwards, mm-hmm. and the and the and the resetting and the re-rolling. Like that, that's that's what learning I think is all about, right there. And we also talked about had you been like, oh, I should have just feed it because you got the one flesh hook and you thought maybe I'd be good. Yeah. You know, if you would have even just still done your feet or done the feet instead of the flesh hooks, yeah. how that would have played out, and then I would have had to retreat a little bit more, which would have given you that little bit more board presence, and then yeah. would have drawn the game out quite a bit longer, I think. Yeah, and in, and if I and if I had done that instead of trying to do the flesh hooks, I could have reluctantly probably put Mullacarnal in a little bit more forward position, then be able to see more people, and yeah, I think you would have got crushed though if you got him too close. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of this, yeah. Oh, if you went the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah the other way. So, um, but uh, but but it was like I said, it was great. So. Did you get any War Machine games in, Chad? I did, actually. Between uh, today and the last time we, re- we recorded, I actually challenged Jacob for his Crick's Coin. And he played uh, Sorcerer 3, Armored Core, and I played Grail against him, and I ended up uh, winning on Scenario. Nice. I made a play where I had, a, I had an option to charge really heavily and push him back. We were playing... Out last the two circles and the two rectangles. I forgot what the name of it is. Oh, Stand yeah. or maybe that's standoff. <laughs> Anyways, um, I decided instead to charge to the to charge a little bit instead of charging really deep into his lines, um, and keep him out of the zone. And we basically kind of determined that uh, with the activations that he had, with where I was standing in the zone, and a counter charging. Uh, white main that I was able to put into Sorsha herself. Mm. Um, I was going to keep him out of the zones, score, and then all I had to do was, um, I think, contest his zone and stop him from scoring, and then I just win on my turn. So mm. I ended up taking the Crick's coin from him, so I still have a coin currently to get into King of Coins. Nice, yeah. King of Coins is alive. Love it. Well, yeah, I love seeing the action. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of uh, coin hopping or mm-hmm. passing of the coins or mm-hmm. whatever. So, um, well, that's great. You know, um, one of the things that us as gamers we run into, um, and, and if we happen to be married gamers that our wives remind us of all the time, <laughs> is um, how much space, um, you know, our, our games, our, our accessories, yeah. our... All the things that we use to, to play the games, how much space it takes. And so today I thought maybe we would just talk about, um, you know, uh, storing our stuff and what does it look like in your mm-hmm. place and uh, how is your how happy or unhappy is your wife with you <laughs> and or girlfriend or significant other. Um, and or, so or just myself <laughs> or just yourself. <laughs> uh, that's you also yourself. a thing. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so how goes the battle, gentlemen? Are you winning your storage wars, or are you losing your storage wars? Uh, I think uh, I'm getting attritioned out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how does it feel, Dan? Yeah. Oh man. It just yeah. It's I a mean, slow grind. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm fighting it, and I'm trying to keep it all organized and in and contained, and but uh, yeah, it for me, it's it's kind of. Spilling over a little bit. I need to. I need to go back through and clear some old stuff. I got like old hero clicks around that I just never really play with anymore. But now my kid uses those toys, so now I don't know if I can get rid of it. But <laughs> that's the hard part there. Um, at least those are somewhat more manageable. Like the cheap figures I can shove in a plastic bin and yeah. you know small storage space. Um, unlike our miniatures for the tabletop <laughs> that you know you put together painstakingly, paint all nice. You don't just toss those and. Uh, yeah, you want to care for them. Yeah. And make sure that they, you know, stay in good condition. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm kind of. I got some shelf space. Got the, you know, the up top of a closet in a, in one of the spare rooms, right? You know, and and that's kind of full of like the family board games and a few other things and cramming them, most of that stuff there. And then most of my War Machine Horde stuff is in bags or mm-hmm. foam trays, at least that are mm-hmm. stacked up on like some shelves. So, and then hobbies are kind of more in a couple bins that are now overflowing as well. So, yeah. I need to go back through and reorganize that whole space because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I need to just sell more stuff. But. Yeah, we had, um, you know, we have the top shelf in our in our closet in our bedroom. And 
and that was my space to store some stuff. And recently, my wife asked for half of it back, <laughs> and so I, so, so I had to like clear it out. And now she's storing some things up there, and, and so that's that has actually created a question for me about what then do I do, mm-hmm. and um, and you know when I was um, you know when I first started playing miniatures, um, you know when I was when I was playing HeroClix. You don't care about the model so much, like they're just little plastic things, and yeah. so I just put them in these, these bins, right? Mm-hmm. These, you know, like shoe box kind of plastic bins, and I had them organized by set, and and I, I was fairly organized uh, with HeroClix, um, but that was back when I was playing a singular game, right? But now I play, you know, a couple of games. I got a, you know, a 40k army. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, War Warhammer War Machine armies. I've got. You know, um, some alpha models now, and some infinity models, <laughs> underworlds. Yeah, I mean, and so the question is, is, okay, so so then what, how do I, you know, whatever. And um, and I tried, I tried very hard to try to put everything in bags. And I realized that bags are very expensive. Even when, yes. so, so my first bag ever was um, Battle Foam was selling the Exodus bags, they had proprietary bags for the game Exodus, which fit the same size of the standard uh, War Machine and Hordes foam trays, which I had a couple of those from, from you, Dan, for my Iron Fang Pikemen. And, and so, and so uh, Battle Foam was selling them on clearance for $30. Nice. And okay. so I picked up a couple, and then I was... Feeling like I was getting, I was getting a handle on yeah. it. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome, right?" But then, you know, um, I don't know. So now I have. <laughs> I'm a bad influence. You can say. You're, uh, okay, yeah. So okay. So here's the deal. So so here's what I have. Okay. So I, I this this is this. I think this is the this is where I am. This I have a new solution that I'm going to be focused on that I think I like better. But before I get to my solution, I'm going to explain my problem. Okay. So this is what I have personally in the home for storage okay I have um, I have three citadel like cases mm-hmm. three different types of cases okay which is completely different and all three use different kinds of foam okay okay so that's a problem yes okay um, I have the Feldher storage box um, which is different kind of foam okay I have Reaper bags which uses different kind of foam. I have two different sizes of battle foam trays and bags. Okay, yeah, because I have I have the one that is that is like proprietary, like that the one that all of us have for War Machine of Hordes. Yeah, and then I have this like other one that's um, a larger oh, that's rectangle right. that lays sideways or whatever. Yeah, um, and I mean it looks kind of like a suitcase. Uh, so I have that. Um, and let's see, <laughs> what else do I have? Do I have anything else? Um, oh yeah, I have the army transport motor pool, which is, get this, a different size of foam trays. And so, you know, so I have all these things and they take up all these different kinds of space in my, um, in my, you know, my home and spaces of, of a premium. And so as I'm, you know, as I'm trying to, oh, and, oh, and get this. Um, my, my, uh, uh, Imperial Guard tanks are in a, uh, file box, you know, those file storage boxes, mm-hmm. uh, with foam that I've inserted in there. And so it's like, <laughs> so this is the problem. Okay. And here's the thing is I know that I am not alone. I know that we have listeners out there who have a hard time storing their things and, and everyone's trying to look for the solution that's going to, that's going to meet their needs. And so, um, and so I would say if I'm losing the storage wars at this moment, you know, um, but I found some things that I like and I don't want to talk about them today. Um, but, but what do you, what have you done that you have appreciated that helps keep you organized? Like you guys, what have you guys done? Well, I've, I'm losing the storage war. And some of that also has to do with the fact that I've got some models uh, staged in different areas for either priming or painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my circle stuff is is contained to two battle boat battle foam bags. Um, there are a couple of war beasts that are loose um, that I don't quite have the space for. Yeah. Just because of the other things that I have, 
the Signar stuff that I have is primarily contained to uh, a battle foam bag. So I've actually got three battle foam bags, one other bigger bag that I got from um, someone in the community who was getting out of the game, getting his circle stuff that I'm trying to get rid of. The bag included because those trays are actually different sized compared to the standard battle foam ones that I have for the three battle foam bags that I have. Uh, and then I've got a small army transporter or what is it? It's uh, like the army platoon smaller bag. Mm -hmm. It was the first bag that I ever got. Uh, and then I've got a, I have one that's the same size foam as that. That is about two and a half times taller. It's like, it's a bigger one that I was given. Um, those bags are primarily empty. The shorter one I use to transport some of my 40k stuff that is like getting painted, mm -hmm. uh, but I also use it for transporting like my paints or models that I'm painting when I take them when I take them with me to work or mm -hmm. if I'm doing a painting day mm -hmm. or something. Um, and then my taller bag is primarily my minions stuff. Or some extra like mercenary stuff that I have that it's not in use right now. So I, I need to go back through and reorganize and get rid of some of the duplicates that I have. Yeah. Um, and I've got a couple of things on display in my apartment. Like some of my huge base models like that aren't yeah. going to fit in a bag. Like my Fulcrum, my Wolldrath, and my um, my Sacral Vault are all on display. My nice. My unpainted galleon is sitting on a shelf in my closet. My painted storm wall is sitting on my shelf in my closet. <laughs> uh, and my unpainted hurricane are sitting on a shelf in the living room um, on one of my bookcases. So I've got models all over the place. Yeah. And, um, some of it just has to do with I just don't have... I, I suppose I do have some foam that could fit some of that stuff in. But I'm running out of space. And I even got rid of my, one of my bags. I donated a bag to... To, to Jordan, Jordan that yeah. started playing, who was actually uh, in the store the other day. He was nice. in, he was in buying some Pokemon cards, I think, for a friend. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey, you're Jordan, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm Chad. I donated the bag and some of the models that cool. that you're carrying currently. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, uh, awesome. Yeah, That's I was awesome. glad. I was, it was good. It was a bag that I, it was an extra bag that I didn't need. And yeah. I always remembered when I first started playing War Machine, like, figuring out a way to transport your stuff and yeah. how, how helpful it was to finally get a bag yeah. and be able to carry all your stuff with you. And well, that's that's an easy thing. Like, it was something extra that I had that he's going to get great use out of. That's cool. And it's a large enough bag that he can fit the the little that he has and he can expand into it. So he's right. not going to outgrow the bag right away. Right. But um, Well, and, yeah, and Dan had it. given him a donation too yeah. and included a tray. That fits the bag. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. Good teamwork, guys. Unknown. <laughs> so, a little yeah. accident. Happy accidents. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm losing the storage war. Um, yeah. I try to, my primary bag, I try to keep only models I'm using. Um, and then my secondary bag is kind of my storage yeah. bag for all my circle stuff that's not currently in use. But then I've also got stuff on my painting table that's either about to be painted or just got done yeah. that hasn't been put back in the bag. So, Dan, what kind of bags do you use? Do you use... Uh... I, I have mainly two types. I bought the, for Miniature Market the Game Plus Game Plus, that's bags, right. And then yeah. um, I've, I also now have four of the Privateer Press Battle Foam bags and two of their little tournament bags. Oh, yeah. Dan. I know. Ah, I like those tournament bags right. a lot. They're they're pretty cool, especially for like the huge base. They fit like four huge bases in there. I know I got uh, yeah their uh, Black Friday sale for you. Know, oh, basically yeah. suckered me in hard. To you. Yeah, <laughs> luckily I was able to team up with a couple people and we got free shipping. Oh nice. So nice. There you go. otherwise it was like six hundred dollars. Not six hundred dollars of shipping, but like two or three hundred dollars in shipping. I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. no. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to get one of their tournament bags. I think it's a nice size. Yeah, especially if you. Yeah. If you do any traveling at all, whether it's yeah. driving or it's by car, and you know that you don't need a whole lot of options, if you're just yeah. taking like one or two specific lists yep. that you can fit in that bag, the only drawback to it is that it's a little bit tough to carry your widgets and things like that That's true. in that bag. Is there's not a whole yeah. lot of extra compartments. Um, you might be able to kind of um, jury rig some other stuff because I know that there's a lot of. Um, Spots basically for hooks, yeah, for yeah, to put stuff, stuff onto the sides, yeah. but then you kind of run into the 
yeah. to the problem of, well, why don't I just carry a bigger bag? The whole point of this bag was to shrink yeah. what it is and then Well, I have, I have some thoughts on that. That you, some Two things that you, one thing you referenced, and I'll, I'll get to that second. The first thing I want to talk about is that my, my i5, my last opponent at i5 last year, mm-hmm. he was running, um, uh, uh, was it, is it Osram with the dwarves? And then, um, and then Cephalix, mm-hmm. so uh, Thexus, so a lot of dudes, mm-hmm. and he was able to fit both lists in that tournament, uh, the tournament bag. Yeah. And when I and when I discovered that, that's when I realized, oh, there's some viability with this bag. Yeah. You know, and so because I didn't think it could possibly hold all that stuff, but apparently it can. Uh, yeah, it's taller. And he was living proof. So. Yeah, half trays or whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah. but one of the things that you said, um, Chad, just a second ago, is. The solution that I think that I'm working towards that I, that I think is going to solve my thing. So if I have money uh, to spend on hobby stuff, I, I don't want to buy another bag. I want to buy a model that I need yeah. for a list or, or paint to paint the models well, that I have. With right? A new toy. right? And so, you know, and so I have, I think I have the bags that I need going forward. The only question is, is building a list and then packing my bag to include those things in, yeah. in the list. That's the question mark. And so, um, and so, um, and so my new thing is this, we had bought our kids a couple of years ago, we had bought them, um, um, a locker, um, from, uh, from Ikea. So imagine your high school locker. Okay. And we bought a set for uh, four lockers for, and each one of our kid has, has a locker. And so when they come home from school, theoretically, they put their backpacks and stuff in their locker. <laughs> they don't, but it's there for them to use in case they want to. <laughs> anyway, so my oldest son just went off to college. And so his locker has been empty. And so I said, I'm going to take this locker and, and I'm going to add a shelf because it comes with different shelving yeah. options for you. And. And so now my entire Nurgle army is sitting on one shelf, mm-hmm. and then all of my uh, minions army are sitting on one shelf, mm-hmm. and then I have a middle shelf where I'm accumulating, putting my pirate stuff, and it's also where I have my victor standing there, my galleon side by side. But um, but like, I think going forward, the strategy that I want to employ is a shelf space like that, mm-hmm. um, and and then when it's time, when I build a list, I build a list, and then I put those models in my bag that yeah. I already have, in the foam that I already have, mm-hmm. and that's what I take with me. Because the way that I'm playing now anyway, I'm my, I, my strategy right now is to play the same list over and over and over again until I get good at it, or until I get you know at least a minimum 10, 10 games with each yeah. caster before I move on, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and so there's no reason for me to carry everything with me when I yeah. go to the store. Yeah, you're not taking the yeah. tournament pairing. You're taking one list. Exactly. Yeah. And or even if I take two lists, you know, um, I can definitely build those two lists out, put them in a bag, and go. Mm-hmm. And I think the downside is, is if I want to make an audible on the spot, I may yeah. not have the the thing to make an audible with. But yeah, like but if it, you want to, if you need to downsize to something to yeah. play someone. Like maybe that's newer, or maybe you don't have time for a seventy-five point list yeah. game, and you got to cut it down to fifty. That can be really tough sometimes if yeah. you can, if you don't have like a couple of lights or another like small unit or something or something. Right, and 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 I get that. Yeah, and and but I'm okay with that if I know that I win the overall storage war. Yeah, and so what that means is all of those different variety of cases that I have, I don't need to have anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can. I can put my stuff on the shelf, and it's a locker, so that means it has a thing that shuts, so there's no dust getting on the models, which is my or biggest issue. A lot by less, le- yeah. Leaving that way, well, yeah, a lot less. Um, I ran into that problem putting them on my bookshelf because mm-hmm. I didn't have a cover for my bookshelf, right? And so, um, and and you know, and later maybe you know if I become more confident in my painting, I'll have a case, yeah. you know, a glass case where people can see what I'm doing. But um, well, I'm incidentally, gonna, side I'm, note, I'm going to stop you right there. So okay. You don't, you don't have to be a great painter to have a display case to show off your models. Thank you. That's true. That you is can, true. You can, because I've wanted to get one even for just my unpainted stuff. Yeah. You'd be like, "This is my shelf of unpainted stuff. This, this is what I work on. That's like, right. This is what's done, and this is what's in progress." Like, yeah. So don't so don't, I, don't feel shame. 
Thank you. So I, <laughs> I, had, I had recently painted my, um, you know, my, my half-orc monk for mm-hmm. my D&D campaign. I had swapped heads with him, uh, you know, Reaper body, GW head, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so my father-in-law came over, and my father-in-law is a, is a, a carpenter. He's worked on buildings and paints and all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and he, um, and so, uh, and so he happened to be over, and I just showed him my model. I didn't know, like, where he would stand if he would judge me. Like, nerd, <laughs> right? Because he's of a, he's he's of a certain generation. Yeah. Okay. But uh, to his credit, he noticed the creativity and was like, "Oh wow, look at the detail. You painted that? Yes, I did. Oh, good work. You know, like he was very complimentary. Yeah. And so, like, so now that I've shown my father-in-law my model. Now I feel a little less ashamed about showing other yeah. people my paintwork. <laughs> we all gotta start somewhere. I was, yeah. I don't remember who I was having this conversation with about where they were remarking about the the work, the good work that I've done on paint mm-hmm. the models that I've done recently. I said, well, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Like I've been yeah. doing this technique for a number of years. Maybe not painting all the time, but I've been doing this technique for a number of years. And this color scheme for a number of years and I've really been spending the last year a little bit more than a year really working hard at um, getting yeah. better and it, it just takes time your first model is like unless you've done a lot of painting or other stuff before your first model is never gonna look as good yeah. and it's okay the most important thing if you want to learn to paint miniatures the most important thing is to just put paint on the model and then figure it out as you go yeah and, and that's, that's true topic. that's true advice <laughs> well yeah and then put yeah. them in foam Yes. Yeah. Put them in foam. So start somewhere. So don't bang it around. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing we can talk about is all Magnarax and the acrylic yeah. case. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. There's there's a lot of really fantastic army transport options out there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the acrylic case one. Yeah. Um, I think our friend Aaron um, has that for his conversions army. Yeah. And and it's clever the way that the way that they go in. You know, they have yeah. little slots that you slide your, you, you know, the like the tracks. base into. Yeah. Yeah. So they. And Nick's friend Greg actually had a great way that he was transporting the um, the Song of Ice and Fire minis where they had put magnets and washers in the bottoms of all of the bases, uh, not only so that they would magnetize into the trays so they wouldn't fall over, but also so that the trays would magnetize into the plastic case that he carried them in. Hmm. So it was basically just like a metal sheet in the lid of the case, and you would just, it would just magnetize the tray would just magnetize to that and then he could literally flip it upside down hmm. to the storage container and then clasp it closed yeah. and everything was secured and in place. I think I think I know what that is. That's the, um, I think that's the A-case. Um, yeah, A-case, was, that was kickstarted a couple of years ago. Okay. And, and it was, the price point was too high for me. I didn't want to, I couldn't kickstart it. But, yeah. but it's very clever the way that that works. And yeah. they look like just plastic storage containers that maybe have been retrofitted, but maybe oh, I, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, the eight case. I didn't ask him detail about it. I okay. was, like I just saw him doing yeah. it, so I don't know if it's something that he purchased from a company. I assume probably so. Yeah. But um, you could probably do the same thing with some some metal sheets, some washers, and uh, yeah, some yeah. plastic containers. Well, you should look up the eight case. Um, they have because uh, the, the functionality that you just described is what their feature was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, if you watch their video, they you know they have these the, the, the models are magnetized and, and they sit in there shake 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 and mm-hmm. then they reveal and the models are perfectly fine and yeah. it's like it's like I would never do that with my models. <laughs> you must not care about your models that or this is camera magic. Yeah, you know, you're not, you're not selling a product. <laughs> no, no, we're not. Um, but um, yeah, so but there's different ways. But the magnetizing thing is a thing. Um, you know, there are a lot of companies that will. Um, do customizable things. Mm-hmm. So, Battle Foam, for example, you can send them dimensions for what you want. They'll, they'll cut it for you. Same thing with KR Multicase. Um, a lot of them, uh, KR Multicase and Battle Foam are sort of the two kind of big names that I hear the most. And, and both of them actually have army specific foam for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you can just, um, like for example, I have, a, I have one single Valkyrie uh, for my Imperial Guard Army. Mm-hmm. And, and I can get a tray that will fit one Valkyrie with stuff, mm-hmm. or I can get a tray that fits two Valkyries and no stuff, yeah. you know? And so like, so they have these options that you can do. And so just 
looking around and going, oh, okay, so this is these are options that I have in front of me. Yeah. Um, I think it's an important part of the hobby because Dan, you were right when you said earlier, you know, we we pour, you know, blood, sweat, tears, and creativity into into our, our models, and you know, and we pour over the rules and we you know, try to become confident players and and we kind of try to become confident, you know, hobbyists and and it's a it's the escape that we choose that you know that gets a gets us away from the grind of yeah. the you know the nine to five and you know and some of the pressures of life it's it's a nice place to be and we get to make great friends doing it and so why not take care of our things yeah so and that's really that's really what this conversation is about yeah. i think but. the last time that i bought a bag from battle foam i made it a point to pick up one of their custom trays for I can't remember if it was for Mist Riders or for Wolf Riders. It was a mm-hmm. cavalry trade, basically, anyway. But there are six slots for mm-hmm. your five infantry plus a Dragoon. I think it was for Wolf Riders. Mm-hmm. But the Mist Riders fit in there, too. Just barely. Yeah. Because the leader's a super, super tall model. Okay. Um, but then there are eight other smaller compartments and then three other ones that are square um, that are bigger than the other ones. And I can basically fit Mist Riders and Wolf Riders into that tray, plus have space for a couple of extra taller models. Nice. And I think it's a three-inch tray, but uh, I love it. It's yeah. it's fantastic, and I've, I've stored various models in there. It's great. Some of those ones that are specifically for certain things are really nice um, yeah. from Battle Foam. They do a good job of also giving you yeah. other spaces in those trays yep. for other yeah. models. My favorite tray to date, period, is the Doom Reaver tray from Battle Foam, mm. because those guys are so like the potential to break off those yeah. spell blades are about as bad as Iron Fang Pikeman. It's horrible, right? Yeah, they fit so perfect in there, and there's enough to carry like so many things, mm-hmm. and so that's why I like yeah. the cavalry trays that they are. Yeah. They're shaped, um, they're rough shaped. They're not exact, but it's it's well enough that you could fit something of similar volume, a model of similar volume into the same tray, which is why I get away with the Wolf Riders and the Mist Riders in the same tray. Or in the same, in the same uh, spots in the tray. Yeah. Yeah. I just have like some of those trays are like, so they're good on, on some like the long riders and Mm -hmm. similar thing, but I've run with the, um, just gotta shell out the extra money. Storm guard, the, yeah, Signar, the storm blades, sorry. Storm blades. That tray is so tall because it tries to make up for the standard bear with the flag, oh, right? And so yeah. it's just, it's like an extra inch taller than you really need it to be. So yeah. you almost kind of got to be somewhat careful of which ones you're kind of going yeah, with. Just shorten know. the, yeah, shorten the, uh, right. the standard bear. Like make us pull shorter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the yeah. other times that I got a bag, I think the last bag that I bought was like a regular pluck foam standard loadout. And then that one tray. Um, but I did a really good job. Uh, speaking of like utilizing trays, um, if you get a fresh pluck foam tray and you know exactly what you want to store in there, you can get a lot of stuff into one of those trays. Yeah. Because the three inch tall pluck foam that came in the bag that I got, um, I think I fit. I think I fit spaces for either 10 or 12 heavy war beasts and one of those is my converted getterix that is very awkward nice but i've got that's a good i've got both yeah. world both guardians both wardens megalith a gnarl horn mm-hmm. so that's six getterix is seven um two pure bloods so that's nine two stalkers and a feral so yeah, yeah 11, 11 heavies yeah. in a single tray See, I'm gonna it makes to, it really heavy. Yeah, <laughs> but I got eleven heavy. I got eleven metal yeah. heavies into a tray. See, I'm gonna have to do something like that because my archathons don't fit naturally. Yeah, in, right. in things. Well, so, that's what I was gonna yeah. say too. Is there's that there's the pluck foam versus the the cut pre-cut foam. Where a lot of right. these are the pre-cut. Like right. the game plus, um, I have is like they're the more like I think the sable sable size, mm-hmm. um, but they're all pluck foam. And oh man, put just plucking all of that foam just kind of gave me it like, is, and, it is very tedious. You but know, there's a lot like if you know exactly yeah, what is yeah. going in that tray, there's a lot of advantage to it, and there's no yeah. wasted space, and you can manage to sneak some extra models into one of those trays as right. opposed to one of the ones that's like this is your standard medium based model yeah. loadout tray, and, and you got to get the something like the, the awkward sizes and yeah. and just getting them in there. So I, I have mixed feelings on those. It sounds like you kind of are a pluck foam fan. 
I'm a fan bit. of both. It just like like I said, it depends on what it is that I'm dedicating. The same bag I used one of the med- like one of the two inch trays for a bunch of for the. I, I think you just missed your new nickname, Chad. <laughs> Puck foam van. <laughs> keep saying that really fast. <laughs> anyway, it's like it's like that movie Sandlot. PF Flyers, guaranteed to make you run faster, jump higher. Um, so um, yeah, I think um, I want to make one more comment about some of the companies that do specialized trays for our board gamer fans. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of folks who are really into you know the Eurostyle board gamings. And, um, and when you, when you buy the board games, you want to keep everything nice. And, um, and so you do your best to keep it all organized. Um, there are companies that will actually make trays for you. And so right in front of me right now, Chad and I, I was giving Chad a brief demo on Warhammer Underworlds and Battle Foam made a tray that fits into the box that carries all the armies and all the doodads and everything. And, and so when I got into Warhammer Underworlds, I knew I wanted that tray. And so I bought that tray. But you can buy trays uh, from these companies that fit that fit the standard board game size. And they're designed for those board games. And so it's fun to look around. And it's fun mm-hmm. to see what options are out there. And just taking care of your wares, you know? Yeah. So I believe Broken Token is um, one of the companies that has an online store that makes yeah. a lot of the wood trays and things like that for oh board yes games specifically yeah, that's right yeah um yeah we've been talking a lot of foam but there are other materials that people use uh Feldher, which is the company that's out of germany um they actually have a lot of variety as well and i like their foam um we uh, ozzy uses them for their for his tau army and one of the things i like about their foam is that it's easier to uh, to cut and so if you have something that's uh, awkward you can you can you can cut their space and um, like you have the there's, it's pre-cut mm-hmm. and you can make you know two squares into one rectangle for example to cover you know to cover a more um, you know a bigger model and so uh, I actually used to carry my Cephalix army in a Feldher um, foam box and so um, so they're they're really great hey um, we're coming close to the end, I think, and so uh, I just wanted to know what is on your hobby desk. Uh, our last episode was a, a really big hobby sode, and we got to talk a lot about that, and so I uh, just wanted to get an update on what are you guys working on. Uh, I finally got around to starting to paint some of my miniatures and a little bit of a, of a batch hobby for the Northkin I got primed up. Oh, nice. Um, I know on the card we kind of have the point of day challenge um, every month, right? You know, okay, if there's 30 days, try to get 30 <laughs> month, thirty points painted, right? Yeah. Brother uh, Scott's real good about keeping us honest on that. Yes. Yeah. He and Perry's a madman. Perry's like insane. finishing up his 40-something hammer dwarves. Or yeah, whatever. you can't yeah. compete with him. Like, two, yeah. like, siege crawlers and, like, uh, a bunch of dudes, plus the orc boys driving cars yeah. and stuff, and, you know. I don't, I don't think that's... Perry. That's Syrian, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Syrian. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I get... Yeah, all right. Both. My bad. My both apologies. excellent hobbyists. Yeah. yeah. So I think I just keep seeing a lot of good pictures. Yeah. Uh, so back on your troll kids. Yeah. Um, so I started trying to tackle those a little bit and, and got a good chunk of them done, but there's still a lot of you know, some base coding still do some touch-ups on others and highlights and shading, but, yeah. you know, just yeah. plugging away at them. Nice. I, um, I'm still building the materials I need for my kaiju list, um, but, um, but I did prime my both armies for my drop zone commander um, uh, games. I've got my Scourge army and then my UMC army, and um, I've started uh, putting paint on them. And so Very cool. I'm, I'm excited about that. So... Uh, Joe and I are going to get a get another game and we played a game a couple weeks ago together and we're going to get another game in this time everything we painted mm-hmm. I also assembled all of the buildings for that game and and I'm working on a method for uh, for keeping them in shape because they're cardboard buildings and so I have a strategy for for them holding their form and yeah. then um, and then I have to work on storing them <sighs> dun 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 oh I sense we didn't even talk about uh, terrain but Mostly because War Machine doesn't use 3D yeah. terrain, but I have a lot of 3D terrain that I need to figure out yeah. how to store. Yeah. Bins and buckets and shelves. <laughs> I think our friends, yeah. like I was saying, just put models in the foam and then stacking the foam on a shelf, and then yeah. you have a bag that you cycle yeah. through your armies. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, Chad, what are you uh, what are you working on your hobby desk? Uh, I recently finished my Iona, got her painted up. Um, I also painted my unit of Wolves of Arborus plus the unit attachment to go with them. They just need some basic material. Otherwise, they're all finished. Uh, as far as what I am working on, um, I've got some orcs still. <laughs> my commission orcs I haven't really made any progress on because I've been doing other things. And a lot of it is I'm, I don't know exactly where the color scheme is going so i'm hesitant to get started on it and, but once i get it figured out in my head then i'll be able to just breeze through it uh but i also started working on putting some paint onto some monster apocalypse starter boxes so i was working nice. on the destroyer's monster actually before i came in today uh and then the defender x i think i'm gonna go with kind of a classic gundam color scheme nice so like a lot of white blue red and yellow and things Love like that because it, yeah. it looks looks like a Gundam so yeah. I think it'd be, it's something I think, different I think it'd be a cool yeah. paint scheme I, for that one I think if I'm gonna play a non war machine PP game it's gonna it's gonna be Monpoc yeah it's just there's so many things about it that just appeal to me so yeah yeah hey it's, um it's supposed to be a lot of fun yeah <laughs> that's what I hear yeah, I everyone a chance and there's a couple of people that have been going crazy for it recently and yeah. picking up a bunch of stuff we had a couple guys at the store on Wednesday um uh, playing Monpoc I know, I saw it. With yeah. a bunch of other Warmachine yeah. players. So I think they're going to try and make it out on Wednesdays more. That'd be cool. I think yeah. I think we'd get more cross-pollination if, mm -hmm. they, if they did that. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we have, uh, you know, our, our goal here is just to inspire people to play more games. And so just want to remind people of some events in our area that, that's coming up. Uh, King of Coins season is still going on. It's going to wrap up uh, pretty soon. Um, and the main invitational is going to be on Saturday, April 13th at Guardian Games. Um, I heard word that the three-man tournament that's going to be taking place this week at uh, Primeville, it looks like they're still looking for one more team to join to kind of make it even skeeven. So um, so if you and two other buddies want to put together a team, uh, I think there's space for you. And, yeah. uh, so. and I think you may also want to double-check the... Uh, event posting on the COD Collective forums yeah. reach out to someone in the Discord because I thought Connor reached out to me and said that they were moving into Redmond. Right. Yeah, location has changed. Yeah, okay. the location has changed from Primeville to Oh, Redmond. to Redmond. Oh, nice. So Primeville on my... I had it written down here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and then in the far future, if you're one of those who likes to plan ahead, uh, we have the NorCal Classic um, on uh, August 9th through 11th at uh, Game Castle in Mountain View, California. And so uh, that one sounds exciting. I saw the post for that, and it looks like there's going to be a lot of opportunities to play games. Um, are any of you guys going to Lock and Load? Yes. Sweet. Dan? I'm going to try. I haven't bought my ticket yet, but I'm planning on going. Okay. So I, I think I'm in the same boat with you. I think Oz and I are going to go. I think we're slowly solidifying plans with, uh, with the family. Like, we have a plan for attacking Seattle that weekend. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so it's almost it's almost a yes for me, for me and Oz. So. Um, and then, of course, we have our regular game nights in the Portland area. We have uh, Guardian Games on Monday, Tournament Games on Tuesday, Rune and Board on Wednesday, Portland Game Store on Thursday, and then Saturdays, I think, at Next Level Gaming, um, I think some, some folks gather to play there. Um, when there's not a tournament down there, so um, and that's and that's in the Salem area. And uh, I heard is is a Dice Age up in Vancouver. I heard I, so. I heard there might be getting some games up there. Not sure yet. So I love it. Um, I think I said it before, and I'll say it again. I think it's a great time to be a War Machine Horde player, and I love how many people are getting into the game. I love the state of the game, how it's it's getting better all the time. And, uh, and I just love meeting new people and making friends. So, um, so it, the more the merrier is what I say. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? No, thanks for listening. No. Keep the struggle. Painting, <laughs> painting and storage. Storage. Yeah. Right on.
Boom, 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 boom,